0: Hello everybody, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Technology Uncorked. My name is Jeff Quattromani and this show is brought to you by Navman. Now every week before I come on this show, I love to go to the Navman website and have a look at their latest products. What am I going to be talking about in this little tidbit? The first thing I noticed and did not expect to see this is dash cams for motorbikes why haven't we thought about this before? Why haven't I even asked this question before? Probably because I'm an ignorant driver. I don't actually ride a motorbike on the road. So I don't know about the dangers of motorcycles, but everybody knows that motorbikes have their own issues. They are nowhere near as well seen as cars are on the road. They do sometimes come down the inside of lanes and things like that. They're a different beast on the road. So if you do ride motorbikes, some people wear GoPros on their helmets and things like that. Now Navman has a solution. It's called the MyView M760D. Now, this is very interesting. We're talking about a front and rear camera. They are extremely small. So there isn't a display on the back or buttons and anything like that. You have a small screen, which is all water resistant, things like that. One goes on the front, one goes on the back of the bike. There is a very small dongle, super small with two buttons on it. That actually get fixed onto your handlebars. In case something does happen, you can emergency uh, save the recording to make sure that the recording doesn't overwrite itself and things like that. Full 1080p cameras with GPS tagging. Um, still has Wi-Fi built in for instant sharing to the Navman app on your smartphone. You've got that wide-angle Starvis low-light sensor, so the quality should be as good as you'd expect. But obviously, it hasn't got the bulk of other dash cams that you see in cars. Because, hey, we're talking about a slick motorbike here, and uh, why would you want something bulky on there? So, fascinating product. I will have to work out a way to test this, and I may just see if I can put one on a push bike or something and, I don't know, carry a battery to make it work. I don't know. I'm going to figure out a way to test this thing. It sounds extremely cool. And if you ask someone out there who does ride a motorcycle, it probably is a good idea to at least do your research on something like this. It's the MyView M760D, d recommended retail price of 599 So I do want to find out more about this, and I will continue to update you as we do. Ladies and gentlemen, head to navman.com.au for more information about any of their products. But in the meantime... Let's get on with the show. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, I have cracked open or popped a bottle of The Lost Plot. Uh, It's from... It's from the Mornington Peninsula down in Victoria. Sparkling wine we're talking about here, but it's loud sparkles. I'm going to hold the wine glass up to the microphone and see if you can hear it. There's just a crazy amount of music coming from white glass as those bubbles continue to rise and pop at the top. It's a really quite nice and smooth, silky uh, sparkling wine. I don't usually run to sparkling. I kind of, okay, yeah, I guess we can, especially on winter's days. It's not my normal go-to, but... That's actually quite nice, really enjoying it. It's about thirty odd bucks. Uh, found this one from Good Pair Days. Um, it's a website. I guess it's like a little wine service that they launch. Um, check that one out if you want to get some sparkling from Victoria. It's pretty good. Uh, a bit of Pinot Noir, a bit of Chardonnay in the glass and some sparkles now. We've got quite a bit to talk about today. Um, if I look at my my list here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven things to talk about. And we're not going to talk about just smartphones, or we're not going to talk about just one product. Everything here. Gaming consoles, VR, smartphones, streaming services, smart devices in the home, a food recycler, and a smart vacuum. That sounds like a pretty well-rounded show, and it means we're going to cover a lot of content over the next whatever minutes it takes to get there. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to get straight into this because I Treasure your time as much as anybody else's. Let's get started. All right, kicking off with some sad news, guys. If you were somebody who has been hoping to get the PlayStation 5, and maybe you want to get one or you've been waiting for one since Christmas because you were promised one under the tree and you're still experiencing delays, well, PlayStation have come out and effectively said that delays will continue into 2022. That doesn't mean that if you order one today, you're not going to get it till next year but it means that they're not necessarily going to have stock that they can keep up with based on their forecasts until 2022. That is outrageous, absolutely outrageous. And it actually means that if you are thinking about Christmas this year, 2021, we're talking about months and months ahead here. If you are thinking about Christmas coming up and you are hoping to get a PlayStation 5 Christmas 2021, you may need to get started on that order now. And that means writing a really good letter to Santa, going online, getting some of these articles, embedding it into that letter and saying, this is why you should work on this now, Santa, because there's some delays in place. And I want you to be prepared because come Christmas day, I don't want to be upset. Guys, got to plan ahead. Sad news from PlayStation, but obviously this thing is going gangbusters. Um, But I guess COVID is still impacting production and things like that. So some problems there. But uh, wow. I mean, it's funny. I think I remember telling you guys a little while back when the PlayStation 5 effectively launched um was also when the new Xbox launched, and I remember putting together a segment for Studio 10, and I wanted to have both consoles on the desk so that I could talk about them. I had the Xbox maybe two, three weeks ahead of the segment, which meant I got to play with it, got to enjoy it, and I was on the phone to PlayStation. Guys, TV segment, need the console. It's got to be there. Yeah, 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 it's coming, it's coming. They literally got down to the final week. And I said, guys, I I think the segment was on like a Thursday. Guys, segment's on a Thursday. If I don't have it by Wednesday, it's not going to make the cut. And pretty disappointed because I'd been told that I was going to get one. They literally were ringing me to say, look, we are so short on stock that we want to sell the unit that we would normally be sending. And they had actually asked me if they could come on the Thursday morning while I'm setting up the segment. Put the PlayStation Five onto the bench, allow the segment to be filmed, and then immediately box it and take it away. I said I can't deal with that kind of stress because I do like to have things prepared in advance. I end up getting it the day before, so literally the day before I ended up playing with it that night, put it in a box to take back to this, to the station or to the show. And then I think they picked it up that morning, literally the segment finished and they were on the phone being like, we're sending the courier around to pick it up. It was nuts. And I just, I don't know what happened to that console. Maybe it isn't somebody's home. Maybe somebody ended up paying for it. I don't know. They, is they refurbished? I don't know. Anyway, it just tells you just how much even at launch they were desperate for consoles. Anyway, moving forward, I had a long call uh, this week with the folks at HTC Vive. Now, HTC, smartphone company, well, they used to be a smartphone company massive pivot in their product focus they are really embedded into VR now they do some other products still as well uh, but the big focus is VR now the conversation I had it was a one-on-one briefing which is very rare to have but I really appreciated it because you know for me virtual reality is something that I think is amazing but I also think is quite socially isolating you know if you think about an experience in VR, you are going to be sitting by yourself. The experience is not shared. It's individual. And as a result, I find it quite isolating. Imagine if you're sitting at home wearing a VR headset to watch a movie. No one's watching that that with you. No one else can see it. Do you see what I mean? So I've strayed away from VR for a while. When I met with Vive, and I was very clear with them and I told them about this, um, they understood that. And we started to talk about the different use cases around VR. One of the biggest spaces is around training. Uh, We talked about a firefighter who can now get training in virtual reality, not because they can see in a 360 degree world, but they can now interact with it as well. So with hand controllers and even um, small modules that they can put into products, it means that they can effectively pretend that you're holding a real fire hose even give you some sort of feedback when you turn the hose on and know which way you're pointing it and everything else. So actually, it's much more than just looking in a 360 degree world. It's now interacting with it as well, which, you know, I think is incredible. And I'm looking forward to trialing their new product. Speaking of their new product before I completely lose my train of thought, uh, two new products here, the Vive Pro 2. And there is another one called, is it the Fit or Flex? It's something like that. Anyway, one of them is completely wireless now. In the past, we used to have these big headsets that need to be connected to these very powerful computers, um, and it was a bit more of a strenuous exercise to, you know, just go and get one. Now they've got ones that is completely the one unit that goes onto your head. It's battery powered. It still has the left and right hand controllers, and they've got a 5K display now. So they're talking about really getting good visuals through it. They said one of the issues that they had, and this was one of the best phrases or explaining bad resolution, is the screen door effect. You know when you're looking through a screen door like the fly screen on a screen door and you have that sort of etching and your eyes can potentially focus or defocus and see those lines? That's what you used to get in older VR headsets. And they're saying that they've really worked on that and actually resolved most of those issues. So I'm going to try one. Uh, these products from Vive are not cheap. Now, we are talking about $1,000 upwards. Uh, so you really do need to be into your VR. If you're using it for gaming, you can get them the wired versions at around $1,100. But then you're stepping up to these you know high-end units that we were talking about, about two grand. So... I'm going to have a conversation with the folks um, at HTC Vive, and we'll do that as a dedicated interview, but I wanted you to know that there is a lot happening in the VR space. These new headsets are a good sign of that, um, but we're going to talk a lot more about the use cases in that interview, so stay tuned for that one when we do publish it. I think it's, just, it's a space which has been growing probably quietly for a long time, and now it really has uh, started to boom quite a bit. Moving on to smartphones here, one that was very interesting, and again, um, having a briefing around it this week, how many of you have heard about smartphones from Asus, A-S-U-S? Um, some people pronounce them as Asus. Um, I say Asus, each their own. They have got two new smartphones on the market. Now, one of them is not that noteworthy. It's a smartphone with some cameras on it. You know, they become a dime a dozen these days. Uh, but the other one is called the Flip. What does the flip mean well it doesn't mean it's a foldable phone it's not it's a normal candy bar style phone however there is no front facing camera that is not innovation the innovation is that the rear cameras the three cameras plus the flash on the rear flip forward when you need to use the front so if you're using the camera module and you've pressed a little button that changes normally from front facing to rear facing If you choose front facing, literally the three cameras flip forward over the top of the phone to face towards you. And that means that you've then got a 64 megapixel, a 12 megapixel and an eight megapixel camera lens with a three times optical zoom able to take shots. That should mean you're going to get some pretty good selfies, right? A lot of people I've seen in the past Turn their phones backwards so that they're using the rear cameras to take photos of themselves because they know they're going to get a better photo than they have on the front facing camera. So it does make sense that Asus is doing this because why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want the best camera in any direction that you want it to be? So it's very interesting to me. And also, when you're not using the front-facing camera, you've got a full display. There's no notch, there's no dotch, there's nothing in the way of your screen experience. I like this. One thing that was interesting was that They came out and also said that you can expect to get up to 300,000 flips out of the lens, out of the motor. So, that motor that flips up and moves the cameras, 300,000. And I hated the idea that anyone would even put a number or a metric next to it, because surely if you were to get one in your head, that's all you're going to be thinking is that count. Every time someone says, oh, cool, show me how that works, you're like, no, because it's costing me a potential number. And you're, I mean, 300,000 is a lot. Not many people have 300,000 photos in their in their camera reel, but it's a bit of a worry, right? Because not necessarily 300,000 photos are taken on your phone, but you might use the front-facing camera quite a bit for other things. If you think about um, services where images disappear automatically, nothing gets saved to your camera roll, but it's a quick shot. You don't care about it. It's something that you send either through Snapchat or Instagram or something like that as a reaction. Do you want that to count to your 300,000 flips? I hate the number. I just hate the idea of anyone saying three hundred thousand flips. Oh, two hundred ninety-nine, nine hundred ninety-nine thousand flips. You know, it that scares me. So I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna try one. I actually asked the guys if I can if I can review the flip. Um, and obviously, I'm the crazy thing is is I'm gonna flip the thing like mad, and just see how that motor works. And I wish there was a countdown somewhere in the settings that says, "Bro, you're halfway through your flips before this thing stops working." It's a worry. Moving forward, think about movies. How many streaming services do you have? I have in my house, um, we have Foxtel. We use Netflix. We have Amazon Prime, mainly because we love Amazon for the shopping components. The Prime component is a bonus. Plus, it had that um, Grand Tour on there, which is fantastic. And we now have Disney Plus. We recently cancelled Stan, um, but how many services can you really have? I don't have KO. As much as I love my sport, I just don't really. I don't know. I don't know why it wasn't. It didn't feel like paying the money just to watch F1 justified it. You know, the F1 season has gotten pretty boring. Paramount Plus is a new one that's coming. August 11th, you will expect a global release of Paramount Plus. Now, anyone who has been to a cinema or watched a movie has probably heard of Paramount production or whatever they're called. Um, They make some amazing movies. Huge amount of light, huge library behind Paramount and everything behind them. However, they've also got a partnership with Viacom CBS. So what does that mean? Well, this new streaming service that will be coming to Australia will be $8.99 per month. Okay, that's not much. That's a pretty good deal. But what's on there? You're going to get surprised by this. So think about production studios, Showtime, BET, CBS, Comedy Central, MTV, Nickelodeon, Paramount Pictures, sorry, that's the name of the movie house, Smithsonian Channel, Sony Pictures Television, as well as some local content that's being created. That's not a bad rundown of services that are going to be bundled into this. I have a very strong feeling that this is going to replace most people's use of Stan. I also think it's going to replace most people's use of um, Amazon Prime if they're already drawing up on that one. I don't think it replaces Netflix. I think Netflix has got so much unique content to themselves. They're not really dependent on production companies outside of their brand to create content. They're doing so well and just creating their own. But I tell you what, I got rid of Stan because I felt like I watched the shows that I wanted to. And when I heard about Paramount+, Plus, I'm like, wow, that's going to be the one that I add on. Um, and by then, maybe I would have finished with what I th- was enjoying on Disney+. Plus. Uh, Disney+, Plus is really just a bunch of kids' films. There is some other stuff on there. Um, But once you've watched them, it feels like you need more. And when it's just Disney content, it's not necessarily going to be enough to make it worthwhile keeping. So stay tuned for this one. I think Paramount Plus is going to come in swinging. And if you also look at the content that's on Stan, a lot of that content is supplied by Showtime or BET. And while there is some deals with Stan and Showtime that are exclusive and indefinite, so Billions is one example. Billions will remain on Stan despite it being Showtime content. And that's quite surprising for me because I would have thought Billions is such a draw card that Paramount would have really pushed to make sure they get that one back. Apparently, that's not going to be the case. But I remember when Disney Plus came to Australia, Stan lost so much content because they had all the Marvel films on there and they had some other Disney content. So it feels like Stan, which don't really produce much of their own content, is really just hanging on to leaves that are sitting there, which haven't got a home anywhere else. And as these production companies are building their own services, they're saying, yeah, we're done with that. You can, you can stop having that. We're now going to serve it on our own platform. That's a bit of a problem for Stan. So a really interesting one there. The last thing I'll talk about before we get into two product reviews is from Amazon. Now, if you have a smart home or if you're about to build your own smart home, you haven't even moved into that space yet, that's okay because the likes of Amazon and Google are always going to be releasing new products to make you have a smart home. The Amazon Echo Show 8 and Echo Show 5 is coming to Australia. It's just been recently announced. Uh, These are actually replacing previous generation products. So if you already have a Show 8 or a Show 5, don't panic. You don't need to upgrade them, because trust me, you'll understand why in a second. The big changes that I can see, first of all, is price. The Echo Show 8 is now 199 and the Echo Show 5 is 119. So 120 bucks for a five-inch display, or actually five and a half inch display, that is actually perfect for a bedside table or on your office desk. So if you've got a home office, having a smart display works really well because if you've got a smart doorbell or cameras at the front of the house, you can see if someone comes to the front door you can also use it to interact with you can watch content on there Um, having a smart display on your desk is actually a really smart thing to do and also just to ask quick questions play play music whatever else the bedside table i think is a great spot for a smart display as well again for the content, for being able to play music, uh, but also as your alarm clock, it makes so much more sense. It is a beautiful way of interacting with things. You can talk to your smart display to turn your lights off, and if you need to turn your lights off without talking to it, using the touch screen, you can go into the menu system and easily turn off lights and things like that, or even you know connect to a baby monitor, whatever the case may be, through the smart displays. So the best bit about smart displays, you don't have to always talk to it, you can touch. And I think for a lot of reasons, that makes a lot of sense. The biggest up, biggest did, uh, changes here are the cameras. The biggest things to talk about here is that the new ones have better cameras and not necessarily noticeable ones. And I think the funny part is I can't remember the last time I've used the cameras on a smart display. I genuinely don't want to make calls through my smart display to any devices. I actually think it's quite annoying to do that. So I don't do it. If I need to make a video call, I've got a smartphone, which I can walk around the house with. And show people things and whatever else. But on a smart display, you're fixated in one spot. You can't take it with you. You can't do much more with it except sit. So, if you need to get into smart home and you are considering smart displays, the Echo Show 5 at $120 in Australia is a cracker deal. It's a marvelous deal and it makes a lot of sense, especially when you've got um, the Google ones, which are starting to add new features, but not necessarily dropping in price like these ones have and uh, worth checking out. Absolutely worth checking out. They'll be on market. Uh, towards the end of this month It's only a couple of weeks away now let's talk about two things one of them is a box that you're going to put in your kitchen and it's going to chew up and gobble up all your scraps and leftovers and turn them into dust and then we're going to talk about a vacuum cleaner that's going to clean up all that dust and fragrance the air if you're somebody who cares about the environment if you're somebody who doesn't have a backyard big enough to allow for a compost bin, maybe you don't have chickens, maybe you don't have animals that can eat your food scraps, and you don't want to be the guy who throws all their food scraps into the bin, then maybe this product is for you. Now, I understand that I've really brought together quite a funnel to find the niche person that needs this product. But when something like this came to market that I've not seen before, I figured I needed to try one out and actually see what it does and whether someone should buy it. It's called the Breville Food Cycler. Now, this is a box around the size of a bit like a square microwave. So the height of a microwave, but a little bit thinner. It's got a bucket and a lid and a button that says go. And that's it. You pull the bucket out. The bucket is like this stainless, like a big steel cast iron thing. You pull the bucket out. And the machine itself doesn't even need to be around. So you pull the bucket out and you can live it, put it under the sink, put it next to your garbage bin. Um, and that bucket is where you put your scraps. So when you're finished prep and you've got, I don't know, onion peel, um, I don't know, potato peels, the ends of the carrots, whatever, put all of that into the bucket. When you finish dinner, maybe you've got some corn cobs, maybe you've got uh, just some bits that people didn't like to eat, <laughs> whatever it is. You just chuck it in the bucket you can put your coffee grounds in there you can put anything in there as long as it's food related and when it's full and it's got about two liters of volume but when it's completely full that's when you need to take that bucket you put it into the breville food cycler you put the lid on it and you hit go that's it four hours later about four hours later usually more to be honest um it's finished and you can take the lid off and inside, what you're left with is not two liters of volume anymore. It's really what looks like a few leaves and some dirt. It really destroys and cooks. Well, effectively, it feels like it's cooking uh, the food that was in there, but none of it is recognisable. Literally, a corn cob can disappear inside this thing. What's even stranger is that it's not like there are blades inside this machine that you can see. I don't even know how it does it. The the bucket. Is pretty smooth. There's nothing really in there except the scraps that you're putting in there. Yet somehow, once you put the lid on, something happens inside this this hole that turns everything into nothing. It's pretty amazing. But should you buy one? Well, I'll tell you a bit more about it. The scraps don't take that long to fill up. To be honest, I think you know if you're an average-sized family, you'll get you'll fill up the bucket quite a bit and quite quickly. If you are someone who cooks at home, then yeah, if you do have a lot of leftovers yeah, this makes sense. And here's what happens. So maybe after two or three days, you've filled the bucket. And I will say, actually, it comes with a separate lid for when it is living under the sink. This separate lid is super thick and has these filters in it so that the food scraps actually don't emit any odors while it's just sitting there under your kitchen bench. It just sits there. So you put that lid on and you don't get any odors in the house, which is a real plus. However, when you do put it inside the bucket and you hit go, Despite it having these big carbon filters, and you can see them, and it tells you about these carbon filtration systems, there is still an odour. And it's when it starts to do the cooking and the churning and the work inside that bucket that you do start to smell a little bit. And it's not terribly bad, but it gets a bit whiffy in the house. And we had the box or the machine set up on top of the kitchen bench, next to the coffee machine, actually, when it was being used. And, you know, you could smell it. You could. Not the, not the whole house, but it was there. What I would t- suggest to people if you were interested in getting something like this is find a better place to put it. You know, if you've got a garage, that's where it should go. Because then realistically, just like taking the garbage out, you take your scraps out, you put it in the machine and you hit go. If the garage smells a little bit, you're not going to be that upset. What's, what's more is that when it actually is finished, those e- they call them eco-chips, I call it the leftover burnt stuff, Um, that can be spread into your garden. Now, like any compost material, you don't necessarily spread this stuff on product, on on vegetables or fruit trees that you're planning on eating from within that 90 days. So compost should be added to the ground at least 90 days before you're planning on taking any food out of it. So if, say, for example, you're growing, um, I don't know, carrots or something in the dirt, you don't put your compost on top of that because that's pretty gross and actually is quite unhealthy. Um, same thing with these chips. You don't just add it to already growing soil. It's meant to be for cultivating new ground for plants. So something to think about there. We've just been tossing ours in our garden. Um, in pl- we don't grow veggies. So for us, we're just tossing it in the garden and it disappears into our normal mulch that sits there. Um, but it's quite fascinating that you're reducing such amount of waste into something so small. Which means that it's not going into garbage bags and living in a, I don't know, a heap somewhere else on the planet. What's more than that is that I was super concerned about the power consumption because how green is it if I'm recycling my food by using energy to cook and grind and hammer this stuff into dust? Well, it turns out, and this is questionable because you can't really measure this. Well, maybe there is a way, but I couldn't find a real way to measure this without adding some extra gadgets to it. They say, that it uses as much power as boiling a kettle. Now I've never really measured that part either. Nor paid much attention to it. But I guess if that's the case then great. That's actually pretty good. And when you tell people that they go, "Huh. That's pretty interesting and you may have just done the same just now." So there it is. The other obstacle that will people will have to overcome is that the cost of me scraping my plate into the garbage is zero. Completely zero. It cost me nothing. The cost of people having a compost bin. I don't know. Compost bins, what, hundred bucks? And you have to manage and figure out how to use a compost bin. There's some education to it. This product is $499. Do you really want your scraps that much? Do you really want to cook them? Do you want that whiffiness? 499 bucks to have that benefit, that luxury of grinding your vegetables into dust and then spreading it in your garden? I don't know. Look, it's not for me. And I've sent it back, obviously. Um, You tell me. You tell me if you want this product. Is this something that you would be interested in? Are you just conscious of being green or do you just, I don't know, text me 0467-439-078. What do you think about Food Cycler uh, from Breville? Would you want one? Would you want one for free? Or would you pay $499 for it? You tell me. After this, we are going to talk about the Ecovacs D-Bot T9+. Plus this is the robot that makes smell literally actually it makes smells and our last thing for today this is a final review if you've already if you don't care about robot vacuums thanks for listening I'll speak to you again next week but if you are stay tuned listen to this I had lunch with uh, with the great people at Ecovax some last week or the week before and during that conversation we spoke about robot vacuum cleaners in the past um, I've Tested a bunch. I've tested robot vacuums from Roborock, uh, iRobot, who make the Roomba, and obviously I've tested Ecovacs models before. Ecovacs seem to have a range that just grows and grows and grows. They have vacuums effectively from like 400 bucks up to almost 2,000 dollars. There tends to be one for every kind of part of the home or type of home. The new one is the DBot T9 Plus. Now I don't really know where the numbers fit into all these things, but let me just tell you what it does because you can see the point of difference in a second. It vacuums, it mops, it has an auto empty uh, station, which is where it recharges. And that's again, not terribly uncommon these days. But one thing that is unique is that it has a built-in air freshener. Yep. In the back, you can stick a module with a bit of what looks like a small bath bomb of cologne. And as it goes from room to room, it can release that fragrance. And if you like the smell, power to you you've got a house that smells delightful whenever you get home so is this any good is this product any good well let me talk to you about it it's first of all it's white the whole thing is white even the big auto empty station it's white i don't mind that if your house accommodates and looks good with white appliances most robot vacuums are black and ecovacs have a huge range of black ones and white ones and i guess it doesn't it's not like it's available in both colors you have to just like the white if you want this model That's the first obstacle, if it is. In fact, let me just go back into that. It's a whole white unit, except the power cord. The power cord's black. Just a thought. You know, you're going to make this thing look beautiful and white. Maybe you've got a white wall and it's going to look very discreet there. And then you've got this black cable. Is it hard to make a white cable? Anyway, the thing I'm going to talk to you about with this is EcoVacs tend to make what I think the smartest vacuums going. Um, I literally moved the iRobot i7, which is the top of the range from Roomba, from iRobot. It's about two grand. That thing, it runs around my house as like a toddler with a pot on its head, literally banging into every single wall, into every piece of furniture. It will move toys. It will push things out of the way to try and vacuum around. Ecovacs is a bit more polite, almost like an English vacuum where it's you know, apologizing. Oh, sorry about that. Oh, cool. It doesn't hit anything. It just notices them, goes as close as possible, tries to go around them and does that. It doesn't you don't ever hear banging against the walls. What's more is there's actually a quieter vacuum than the i7. And I've had the i7 running around this house for about a month now. Um, and I can tell you that, you know, on sound, if you're watching TV, you can actually watch TV pretty comfortably with the T9 Plus going but the i7 is a bit of a noisy bugger so you do want to get that to go to other rooms if you're trying to watch tv in a lounge room it does have a mopping module now we've spoken about mopping modules before one thing i'll say about the t9 plus is it doesn't have the osmo mopping module and the difference between the osmo one and the standard one is that one of them rubs so i've mentioned this metaphor before and i hate to say it but it's the only way i can describe it if you've ever seen a dog with worms try and scratch its butt across the grass that's what it looks like when it's the Osmo. Literally, there's a moving module at the back that's scrubbing your floors. When it comes to the normal mopping feature, which is what's on the T9 Plus, it just drags a cloth effectively with water. So it still has a water reservoir to keep it moist, but it effectively just drags it across the floor. It doesn't do the scrubbing uh, motorized feature that the Osmo does. The other problem is that it, despite me saying it does fragrance, mopping, vacuuming, and emptying. You have to pick between the fragrance or the mopping feature because it sits in the same spot on the vacuum. So when you get this out of the box, that back module, which you can remove, is the air freshener or it's the mopping feature. It's not both. So you need to decide, are we mopping today or are we fragrancing? Now that's one obstacle. You can choose to remove it and use it as you need because, hey, maybe you don't want a fragrance every day, but maybe you wouldn't mind mopping the kitchen on a daily basis. You decide how you manage that, but you have to manage that. Whereas the benefit of an empty station is you don't have to empty this thing for a month. So effectively, once you've got it to just do vacuuming, I love that feature that you can just leave this thing to vacuum once a day if you really want it to, and you never have to go near it or touch it or do anything. If you want the mopping, you've got to think about your offset with the fragrance. From a fragrance point of view, there are multiple scents available. I think there are three that you can actually buy through Ecovacs. The one that came in the box for me was a no-go. As in, I don't like the smell of it. I, said, I think I said this when we were talking about the news of this product a couple of weeks ago when it was originally announced. And I said, I'm super nervous because I don't like air fresheners in the best of times. I'm not a big ambiper guy. At best, I light a candle. It's just the way I am. I don't, like to, I don't like bad smells replaced with spray. You don't take a bad smell and then spray something good on top of it. I like to burn off a bad smell with a candle. And that's how I like to get that balance. However, I always try it. The air freshener for me was a no-go. It did to me, and I'm sorry, Kovacs. it's a little bit of a luxury public toilet, like a good, you know, those good shopping centers you go to like Chadston in Melbourne or Bondi Junction. Those kind of places where you walk in the public toilets and it smells better than it would at, say, a soccer field in Western Sydney, but it's still, it's still a public toilet smell. And I don't want my house smelling that way. Despite it being an upmarket public toilet smell, it's not for me. Some people will like it. Trust me, I've been looking at houses. I've been saying this before. I've been doing housing inspections for about a year now, looking to find my next home. And I know this, this is what people use to fragrance their homes. Some people would love this smell. And that's a great thing, that it can be wandering around and and spraying fragrance while it does that. The point I want to also add on top of the fragrance thing is that you can't ask the Ecovacs to only fragrance certain rooms. So sometimes when you're vacuuming, you can say, well, go and vacuum room one, room two, room three on the app. But whenever it does that, if the fragrance module is attached, it's going to start pouring out that smell. So you can't say, I only want fragrance in the bedrooms and not in the kitchen. If the module's attached, it's going to go whenever it's going. That's the way it is. And lastly, I will say going back to the app. The app from Ecovacs is one of the best. Um, the iRobot one is a close second, but the way that Ecovacs maps your house and the speed at which it can do that is better than others. Um, but also that when you're in the app, actually using it, navigating, not labeling rooms, drawing bow, um, boundaries, restrictions and things like that on your floor plan. It's so much simpler on the Ecovacs app than it is on iRobot or Roborock. Um, it's just the way it is. Lastly, the price. $12,99. It's cheaper than some other Ecovacs products. I mean, if it doesn't have the Osmo module, that's one of the reasons why. Um, but the fact that it has this air freshener thing, it could be something that you're interested in. And if it is, then it's probably the one for you. Uh, I'm enjoying using this product. It's it's very comfortable at home. I've called it Vackie, um, V-A-C-K-I-E, like Vicky. but with a VA, like vacuum. That's my creative spin on things. 1299. It's available right now from most retailers if you're interested in going to get one. Uh, that will keep your house clean and smelling the way it does. Um, I'm not going to say good because that's subjective. And ladies and gentlemen, as always, you've been a- an amazing audience. I always love to talk to you guys at least once a week. I apologize that the interviews have become almost a bi-weekly or fortnightly uh, event. But trust me, there's some good ones to come. We're just going to make sure we get them done and get them to you as soon as they are available. Text me anytime, all your questions, all your concerns, all your feedback, 0467-439-078. Any questions you've had about anything we've discussed throughout the show or even things that you're just thinking about or people you want me to interview or products you're interested in me testing, that's what the number is for. Reach out to me anytime. And if you'd like to leave a review, you can absolutely do that through Apple Podcasts. I don't know if you can leave a review through any other services, but if you've got an iPhone, feel free, jump on on there. One or five stars or three or four or even two. There is all the options available as well as feedback. So I always love to read those and see those. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll speak to you again soon. Bye-bye.